Section eight of A Cruise in an Opium Clipper by Lindsay Anderson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section eight, chapters twenty five through twenty seven. Chapter twenty five The Last of Our Cargo Sold Symptoms of a Typhoon soon after breakfast on the following day the formosian merchants arrived alongside with their sampan lighters and in a short time the quarter-deck reassumed the appearance of the floor of a somewhat noisy exchange hall on one side were ranged the baskets containing the silver and on the other the balance of our chests of opium between these articles of so much value the scales were placed for weighing the opium while on a small table used by our shroffs several smaller scales were at hand to weigh any suspicious dollar that came along and had withstood the test of clinking on the shroff's little fingernail as on former occasions the babble of somewhat noisy but good-humoured haggling went on till the conclusion of the day's trade the sales concluded it was remarkable to observe the changes that came over the countenances of the traders from looking eager anxious and expectant while prosecuting their bargains they subsided into the calm and jocosely austere merchants well satisfied that they had made a good trade as usual all sat down to a mixed collation of tempting viands to which they did ample justice their appetites no doubt sharpened with their excitement while their throats could not but be dry after so much talking wine and beer as well as other liquors were there in profusion to wash down the more solid viands as well as to moisten the dry throats our cargo was now all disposed of and while the lunch had been proceeding our people had stowed the silver in the species room and the chests of opium had been safely transferred into the lighters with many handshakes and very expressive wishes for our speedy return with another cargo the merchants took their departure for their respective towns and villages all hands were then sent down into the hold in order to shift a quantity of the iron kintledge from aft to forward so as to bring the eamont on a more level keel as she hung so much by the stern when in her sailing trim while this was being done under the direction of mr jewel the captain accompanied by nealance and myself were landed on the beach abreast of the eamont from thence we took our way through the woods and over several hills in a direction that would lead us near the beach to the northward of the entrance into the harbour arriving on the beach at a point nearly abreast of our beacons we had the satisfaction of seeing with the aid of a telescope that they were still there rising up and down with the undulation of the sea and keeping careful watch over our track across the surf which we then hoped to accomplish in a couple of days at farthest the swell from the southwest has gone down a good deal said the captain and even the surf has greatly diminished perhaps if we wait a couple of days we may get over without rafting any of the kentledge at all there is plenty of timber here should we require it and we can bring the eamont round here and lay between the reef and the shore safe enough while we fix it added captain gulliver while we three were busy scanning the reef and its still noisy breakers the sky above became suddenly overcast the wind outside the reef which had been blowing a moderate breeze suddenly ceased and a dead calm prevailed 
there is a change for you said the captain a sudden ending of the monsoon by george but not exactly to my liking the barometer has been working very curiously this last day or two and has not risen and fallen with the atmospheric tides at nine and three o'clock for the last two days this hot sultry weather remarked nealance reminds me of the day or two we had before the swato typhoon last year it was just about this time of year too observed the captain only we are better sheltered in where she is if it comes before we get out than we were in swato roads a flash of lightning and a distant peal of thunder started us on our road back to the ship on our arrival on board the captain dived below to consult the barometer he soon came up again and i could tell by the determined look on his face that something out of the usual was coming on and that the time for instant action had arrived calling mr jewel to his side he said we are going to have a typhoon before many hours so if you are all finished with that kentledge we will turn to and snug her down a bit mr jewel replied that he had finished just before we came on board and that she was now only two feet by the stern very good said the captain now we will slack up the inside moorings and heave out to twenty fathoms on the outside anchors mr jewel you will back the stream anchor on your forward cable when she is hove off and nealance you will back that heaviest kedge on to your after chain as soon as you are both ready we will let these go slack away again on both chains and heave her back to nearly the same position and then secure all fore and aft so that it will break before it will give an inch now be sharp for there may not be much time added the captain turning to me the captain said anderson take some hands forward and get that topgallant and topsail yard on deck and stow them on the booms then rig in your flying jib boom after that refurl all the sails and don't leave a single crevice for the wind to get in at be handy and get done before dark the men were piped to grog and then all set to work with a good will and in three hours time the orders had all been executed and the Emont securely moored a little out from her former position drizzling rain with occasional flashes of lightning and still distant thunder was now heralding the approach of the much dreaded devastator the sea watch was set the hands piped to supper and we of the afterguard adjourned to dinner chapter twenty six a typhoon by the time we had finished dinner the barometer had fallen to twenty eight point sixty and when we went on deck you could not feel a breath of wind nothing yet but drizzling rain the darkness around us being lit with the spiral flashes of lightning that seemed to leap upwards from all around the horizon the thunder had ceased and awful stillness reigned around us and between the flashes of lightning we seemed to be encompassed by a cloud of impenetrable darkness that could be felt better than seen the captain and mr jewel visited all our moorings to see that everything was well secured against the time this herculean elemental force should strike us it was an awful night yet withal it had for those who could think of nature's god all the sublimity and grandeur which oft accompanies and precedes the beneficent workings of the great architect of the universe 
be it storm or earthquake which are the two great safety valves for the purification of the air and the earth the awful silence and impenetrable darkness of the night were rendered more appalling by the intense anxiety experienced by us all in waiting and watching for the further development of the impending cyclone midnight came on apace the barometer now registered twenty eight point thirty and still the same impenetrable shroud of solid blackness overshadowed us with highly strung nerves we waited in gloomy apprehension for the bursting upon us of this terrific convulsion of aerial forces no doubt wisely sent to restore the equilibrium of the air we breathe in places where that air so necessary to the life of all living creatures had become vitiated by undue stillness and sultry heat mixed with the drizzling rain sparks of lightning still kept shooting up all around piercing the gloomy pall hanging over us but casting no light upon the dark and dismal scene about one a m a weird unearthly moan was heard away to the north northeast look out there every one called out the captain watch the moorings and keep clear of falling spars every one sprang at once to his appointed station and there stood in breathless silence in less than a minute the moan had become a deep and reverberating groan a few seconds more the groan had changed to the mightiest roar of a cataract then bursting upon us with an appalling force it howled and screamed through the masts and rigging as if all the fiends in hades had been let loose and come to assist in the destruction of the material universe howl and scream scream and howl with a madly deafening roar all we could do was to hold on and gaze at and listen to this awful upheaval of nature's force in its fiercest wildest most destructive mood let the reader imagine himself standing in close proximity to a thousand locomotive engines with their steam whistles all screeching at their loudest blast and he will have but a faint idea of the howling noise that assailed us as it tore through the rigging and the spars the Emont tugged and strained at her moorings like some wild animal endeavouring to escape from the leash of his hated keeper the blinding drift and the darkness hid from our view all except the immediate surroundings of our own vessel therefore we were unable to see how the vessels and junks in the harbour were faring in midst of this terrific storm the Emont was well moored which was a matter of great satisfaction and although she surged heavily on her cables as each successive blast swept down upon her we had great confidence in her holding on till the centre cyclone had passed from the commencement of the storm till dawn began to lighten up the awful scene there was no abatement in its force rather otherwise for the blasts came quicker and quicker in succession as the time wore on the wind likewise changing its direction more to the eastward and by the time daylight had come we were enabled to see the other vessels around us it was coming right down the lagoon which was now one mass of foam little had been said amongst us during the darkness of the night 
the moorings had been carefully attended to the officers stationed to look each to his particular mooring remaining close to the bits to which it was secured while the captain placed himself forward at the starboard cable which had to meet and sustain the greatest amount of pressure the wind having struck us about right ahead and veered gradually towards the starboard bow although the storm was still increasing in violence yet the daylight had the effect of reviving our tired wet and somewhat stiffened bodies and endowing us with fresh vigour to withstand that part of the storm which had yet to come after piping to grog watch relieved watch as best they could the old watch reclothing themselves in dry garments although it was only to come on deck and go through the same soaking process one felt livelier and better in the second suit although wet through for it seemed as if the weary waiting and watching of the past night as also the blackness and darkness of the impenetrable gloom and the beating of the incessant and heavy rain had been put away with the garments worn during the night the captain and we officers relieved each other also changing our garments and partaking of slight refreshment for the inner man as well the barometer had fallen by this time to twenty seven point sixty and still appeared to be on the downward path chapter twenty eight an armed junk grounds close to us we capture her the dutch schooner swept away no one seemed to care about stopping below longer than was necessary for a shift and a bite we were all soon on deck again looking carefully after our moorings for each successive blast was more violent and came more rapidly as the wind slowly veered towards the east in the short pauses between the blasts we were able to glance around and survey the scene as far as we could through the blinding drift of spray and rain the lagoon was one entire mass of seething spray and whitened foam the receiving ship ahead of us having no masts or yards had held her own and no doubt she was strongly secured in order to withstand the ravages of the tempest so common in these latitudes several junks lying farther ahead of us had evidently driven somewhat nearer to the Eamont the brig held on well the captain having sent all his yards down but the dutch schooner which the night before had been to the eastward of the brig and of course ahead of her was now a cable's length to the westward and astern of her close on eight o'clock a m a tremendous squall came thundering down the lagoon deafening in its roar and awful in its sublime fury seeming to shake the lagoon as if it were an earthquake and making the Eamont tremble as she strained and surged at her moorings this burst of air fury passed a new source of danger was upon us for one of the junks had started to drive right down on top of us as the junk which seemed quite unmanageable threatened to bring up across our bows the captain motioned us all forward to get the jib boom rigged in the heel-rope was passed along the lanyards of the guys and stays were quickly cut but before we got a pull on the heel-rope another and more furious blast was upon us 
the junk came on across our bow stern first snapping the jib-boom short off by the cap and still drifting she took the ground inside of us her leeward bow just clearing our stern and falling aft about ten feet on our port bow she was tightly wedged in between the eamont and the shore the junk being heavily armed and having a crew that looked more of the pirate than the peaceful trader captain gulliver deemed it necessary to make her a prize coming close up to nealance and me the captain shouted to us as well as he could in the awful den that was raging take twenty or thirty armed men and take possession of that junk disarm her crew and chase them on board the eamont and we will secure them down below we were not long in arming ourselves and men even in such a time as this and were soon scrambling up from her bow on board the junk her crew looked ugly at first and one or two endeavoured to get on shore from her stern but a shot or two from a revolver proving that we were in real earnest they threw down their arms and were soon driven on board the eamont and secured down in her hold the captain and shroff of the junk escaped over her stern and were soon lost in the woods mr nealance with six men was left on board the junk to search her as also to keep possession pending her ransom it seemed as if that tremendous blast had been the centre blast of the hurricane which had culminated and concentrated all its force for one grand effort to overthrow and destroy all that came within the sphere of its relentless and destructive track we had no sooner settled with the junk than our attention was called to the position of the dutch schooner she had either parted from her anchors or else they had lost their hold for she was fast driving before the blast right towards the entrance of the harbour the people on board were gesticulating wildly and no doubt shouting at their loudest as if for help no help could be afforded them a boat would not have lived a minute and no oar-blade could be held against the wind on on drove the ill-fated schooner to her doom driving stern-foremost as if some water-fiend were beneath her dragging her to certain destruction either her anchors or weight of chain were keeping her end on to the gale all her yards being aloft she would otherwise have paid her bow off so that there was one hope left that the chains or anchor might foul something before she reached the reef outside nothing inside the harbour brought the ill-fated schooner up and with feelings of dismay and commiseration for her helpless crew we could but stand and gaze at her as she drove through the entrance towards the open sea between which and her a deadly barrier existed a hard and stony reef help from man at this juncture was unattainable the storm was then at its worst and none knew but what their own fate might be to follow on the track of the schooner now gone from our view half an hour after the dutch schooner had disappeared from sight a slight diminution in the force of the typhoon was apparent the squalls were not coming in quite such rapid succession and the wind was veering to the southward of east which brought us a little protection from the high land on the opposite side of the channel which was scarcely half a mile across in an east-south-east direction from where we lay 
the captain who had gone below to consult the barometer came up with a smiling face and told us it had gone up three tenths which was cheering news to all he then told mr jewel to send the hands to breakfast remarking in a genial voice that now the centre has got past we shall have fine weather again before sundown and we have a lot of work to do mr nealance and mr anderson said the captain as he beckoned us towards him i want some volunteers to go on shore as soon as the men have had breakfast to try and find out what has become of the dutch schooner and see if there is any help wanted for she may have been driven to the northward inside the reef and gone on shore on the beach we both offered our services at which he was much pleased he then said hurry down and get something to eat bring up your arms with you then as soon as the men have breakfast pick out a dozen see that they have their arms and take thirty rounds of ammunition for each man for you don't know whom you may meet if she has stranded anywhere near the beach end of section eight